everyone. Welcome back to another episode of What's Good. Greg Meskel here with you and my guest today, former NBA player, current professional basketball player abroad, Jason Thompson. Jason, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you for having me. Jason, this is a weird time for athletes. You've been in an interesting spot playing abroad. You were in different countries trying to continue your basketball journey. What's it been like you for you from January to now? Uh, undescribable, honestly. Um, you know, just to be able to – I was playing in China at the time. I signed to play with uh, Coach Stefan Marber um, and some other uh, fellow Americans. And, you know, we had a lot of success. I had some friends come. Uh, during, uh, it was right during the new year. And uh, like I said, I mean, we had one and, and, you know, celebrating the new year and all this type of stuff. And then I think, uh, you know, we had a break. Then I went to go visit my brother out in Israel who's playing professionally abroad as well. Um, and like I said, then we couldn't come back, um, you know, because the coronavirus had just hit uh, China um, right then. So, you know, that was very uh, different. I made my stay that was only going to be four or five nights a little bit longer, um, just trying to see, you know, what was going to happen and, uh, you know, my brother, things like that. Um, and, you know, next thing you know, I stayed about another week, was trying to see if I was going to sign abroad again. I ended up going home, um, got inducted, or well, got my jersey retired at, at uh, my Lenape High School. Uh, and they ended up signing the next day uh, to play for Zaragoza in Spain. Uh, played about four or five games, meaningful games, you know, where we advanced in the playoffs and stuff like that. And then, you know, the, then, then the virus hit big time um, in Spain as well. So it's just like I felt, it felt like everywhere I was going, it would just pretty much follow me. Uh, then eventually, you know, once that, you know, was quarantined for about 14 to 15 days, um, end up going home, and then it hits the U.S., <laughs> you, know, you, you know, big time. Uh, you know, to the point, obviously, where everybody was taking their temperature when you land and, and things like that. So, uh, I mean, it was definitely an overwhelming experience, just, you know, not – well, one, coming home so early, you know, during that time, and um, one, just trying to be safe. I mean, you know, we all love the game and all, all love what we do, but, you know, at the end of the day, health is more important. Yeah, it's been a strange journey, especially describing your own, going from one country to the next to another. Now, like so many athletes, you're a bit in limbo here. What's next for you? Do you have an ideal destination when things get back to normal? Um, well, that's the key. Uh, for me, I've been blessed to play for 12 years um, as a pro, and then next year will be 13. So. Um, I have options of, of where I want to go and where to sign. So I think for me, it's not about just signing, uh, you know, quickly or anything like that. It's just one, just taking the precautions, um, knowing how the situations are going to be. Uh, because like I said, I mean, there's not many active, well, there hasn't been any basketball activity going on, you know, throughout the world. Um, I think China is going to start back up, uh, I think this weekend, honestly. So that might be the first type of basketball that's going in. And like you said, the NBA is in limbo of, you know, when to start and, and all those type of things as well, too. Uh, so like you said, I think it's just, you know, blessed enough to, to try and, uh, you know, figure out the health part of it. And then, and then secondly, think about, you know, the, the playing part. 
And even though you haven't had games to play lately, it isn't as if you haven't been busy. You have some things that are near and dear to your heart, whether it's the Jason Thompson Foundation, Live Like JT. A couple of months back, you were sharing posts about getting masks out there, really advocating for people's health and wellness. Let's start there. Why was that something that you felt was important to you to speak out on and try and drive people towards a healthy lifestyle? I think it's important. I think uh, I just always knew even when I was a kid, any, if I ever was going to make it, you know, big uh, professionally at any level and I could be able to use a platform then I was going to, you know, give back and be able to shed light on, on people. And I think, you know, during all these uh, events that are going on, um, being educated is, is probably the best thing that, that, that you can do for others. And like I said, I'm not saying I'm the most educated person, but, you know, I have done my research and have educated myself on certain things and certain aspects. So I feel like once I know this information that I want to uh, relive that and, and give that information to, to, the, to other people. And, you know, like I said, some of the uh, feedback has been overwhelming, you know, with good things. So, you know, with Live JT, you know, we did the, uh, for the healthcare workers and, and how much they, uh, you know, put their lives on the lines to save other lives. Um, you know, so we gave out, you know, lunches for them and, and masks to others that maybe, you know, couldn't afford them and, and, and things like that or just don't have access to. Um, and then also to, um, you know, started off actually today with how important it is to vote. Um, like you said, you know, you have all the stuff going on with the pandemic and racism and riots and things like that, but, you know, it's just very important for people to have the access to be able to vote. I mean, I think some people just think it's very hard to do, but, you know, like I said, I send people some things and when I post things, it's not about just me posting it. It's actually the replies that I get back of people saying, thank you, appreciate it. Like I never knew this. This is something new. Uh, and I think we're all blocked in in one mode where we all follow only each other. So you have followers and then you follow them, but you only see their posts. You don't really get to see other people because like you said, when you're on the explore page, it's only on people who you follow or who follows you. So then when you go on to somewhere and someone sends you something, then you're like, oh, I never saw this. Why don't I see this? Oh, I don't follow this person. So then, it, and then it's a domino effect. So as much as I, information I can absorb to other people like a sponge, I think is, is very important. Um, and then, like I said, to do that while I'm still training and working out and having limits, you know, being in New Jersey um, and Pennsylvania, you know, and it's tough to have access to gyms because some are, you know, closed and, you know, if you're going to a school or, or, or things like that. So, like, there's just certain things that you have to do, but makes you stronger as a person and being able to, to stay focused during times where, everyone's going through something. So, you know, it's, it's, it's tough to get advice or help from someone because they're struggling in some type of way. And, and uh, you know, we all try to find ways to come together. You bring up a great point about how you develop and curate your own social media feeds because this has been a time where people have understood they have to make the extra effort to understand maybe some different experiences from their own. As you alluded to, you can really kind of get in your own area and only see maybe your friend group and their friends, that sort of thing. So uh, it's a great point there to try and really broaden your horizons. When you think of yourself as an athlete, I know that of course you wanna be successful, you wanna win games, championships. 
how does the feeling of trying to win on the court compare to when you can have that positive impact, whether it's the masks to healthcare workers or sharing a message about voting that really resonates with someone? I mean, I, I, it's to the fullest. Like I said, like I grew up with having grandparents that were real close to a church, so I know that I would help out all the time. You know, people would always ask me when I was younger, and it's like, you know, you try to help out so much while you're, you know, you're doing well in school and trying to, to get better, you know, as a player and stuff like that. So I just found ways and not excuses of, uh, like you said, to give back. So now being able to do it, like I said, I don't do this stuff for the notoriety and I don't, you know, send it to other, you know, news stations and stuff like that all the time. If they pick it up, then it's great because it can still spread to other people and stuff like that. But I really do it just for the heart. You know, I annually I do uh, Thanksgiving a turkey and Thanksgiving drive for the less fortunate uh, where they could take a turkey home and then have Thanksgiving dinner. Um, and then also too, um, and during Christmas time, I, I have the uh, uh, a toy drive where for less fortunate kids, uh, being able to have a certain shopping spree. And the best thing with that is you think kids um, get all the toys and be spoiled, but actually these kids will like, you'll look at something and you'll be like, oh, this is not something you think they would want. And they'd be like, it might be a girl or a boy. And they're like, hey, my sibling or my cousin, you know, I want to get something for them. So they don't only just think about themselves. And like, that's the thing that you're like, damn, like, you know, I'm here obviously because of the game of basketball and, and, and what it's brought me to all over the world, man. But when you can touch people and when you can um, be able to shed light and help people out and, and, and uh, inspire people like that, man, it, it, like you said, it means the world. That's a wonderful way to use your platform. And as you alluded to, building off of a basketball career. And, and as we look back at, at what you've done so far in the game of basketball, at Ryder, we both went to what they would classify as mid-major colleges. And, and when someone like you makes it to the NBA, everyone that follows college basketball at that level feels like all of us got a little bit of a chance. Like someone at this level did it and made it. To come from Ryder, to be a lottery pick, to go on to play in the NBA, what, what did that mean to you and to your family, everyone that supported you to be able to go from a smaller school to the highest level of basketball? It, it, mean, it meant a lot just because uh, all the hard work you put in, I think that, like, you know, everyone just tries to realize the moment and tries to realize of how you would be on that day when you hear your name call. But honestly, when I heard my name call, I just went back to like a kid and like, you know, workouts and AAU and having six games and not having the, the attributes of being able to eat healthy. So we're eating McDonald's and playing, eating fast food and then playing six games and, and just the grind. Um, and like I said, during those times too, it's, it's, uh, it was not very common for, like you said, mid-major guys to, to be even on NBA, you know, draft stocks and, and things like that. And I grew nine inches in high school, so I was a golf, scrawny guard, you know, freshman year, 5'11", then 6'3", 6'6", 6'8". So my limbs is sore and, and going through all these things, not trying to – but like I said, now it was positioned basketball. Now we're in a time of every, all levels where it's positioned in basketball. So I always tell kids, I'm like, all right, if you're the tallest kid here, it doesn't mean you have to be in the post. You still need to be working on your ball handling. You still need to be in guard-type shape. If you're the smallest kid in the, um, on the court, then you should be able to have a post game. You're supposed, supposed to have the attributes that bigs can do as well. Um, and like I said, I took all of those, those things in those years, grew three inches in, 
um, in college and kept developing my game and, and things like that. And then, um, you know, like I said, the rest is history and being able to represent, you know, South Jersey, Ryder, um, even, you know, during the times in the league, I would always represent, you know, Ryder from afar, especially being all the way from California. Um, so, like I said, I mean, it just shows that it's not the easiest thing to do. Um, but like you said, when you go through, you know, ups and downs uh, throughout before that process, man, it just all comes into full effect on, uh, on draft day. Now, in your career, you'd go on to play for the Golden State Warriors, Toronto Raptors, abroad, China, Turkey. But basketball fans will most closely associate you with the Sacramento and the Sacramento Kings, and, and you are the answer to the question, who is the longest-tenured Sacramento King? <laughs> so you'll always be linked to that team. I, I know in your time there, you wanted to win more games than you ended up winning. But now, a few years removed from that era of your life, what did your time in Sacramento mean to you? What are some of the memories that stand out? Well, I think with age and time, you get to really get to reflect on the, on the things. Um, you know, for me, I grew up in that city. Uh, you know, I'm born and raised in New Jersey, living in, in this in this area. But you know, I was I was drafted at what 21, and, and a kid going three over 3,000 miles away uh, to an organization um, like that that had you know great history uh, beforehand. And then you just look at it, you're just like, all right, you know, in the seven years that I was there as the longest tenure, we had seven different coaches. Like, and even now with the teams that don't have success, that's still unheard of. Like, I feel like it's just such a big change of like, teams don't change their coaches, they change maybe the front office and then you go down and trickle with the players and stuff like that. Um, so, like you said, I mean, it's, t it's tough to win like that. Then you have a time where we were going to move from Sacramento to Virginia Beach to Anaheim. And, I mean, I was there during those times where, we're, you know, here we stay, you know, and, uh, and, and those type of things too. So, yeah, there's definitely a lot of uh, a good, you know, because, like I said, just great memories and, you know, going over highlights and stuff like that too. But it was just some – type of, you know, uncertainty and unfortunate situations with changing the ownership. You know, we had the Maloose um, that had tons of success. Um, and then, like you said, now they have Vivek, now New Arena and stuff like that, too. So it's like night and day of even, like, going back and, like, having the same feel. You go, it's, you know, not much of the staff up the front of, you know, is there anymore as well, too. So, like I said, I always think I'm, I always have, you know, my heart is in, it's in sack regardless of, the success because like you said, I mean, there's just no, there was no stability in one organization for you to have success. And as we see over the years, it's very hard to be successful um, in these top leagues. And it's interesting among all that change, you were one of the stable pieces, right? You're there year after mm -hmm. year, coaches are changing. You look on social media, I think there's a lot of positive feedback, even in all that turnover, People admire that you were there, a positive force, positive energy. It wasn't always easy, but you were there, stuck it out, and tried to make the best of it. Yeah, I mean, I did what I could in, this, in the circumstance. I don't say I give myself any excuse or this and the third, but if you know the game and you know basketball, I mean, there's just certain things. I mean, most of my career, I was averaging over double figures. You know, nowadays, if you're on – 
playoff type teams and your average double figures, I mean, you know, you're implanted into the league forever. You know what I mean? It's just certain times. When I got to the NBA in 2008, it was, uh, you know, for the bigs, it was post moves and mid range. You know, nowadays, I mean, you're shooting, I don't even know how many type of three pointers. I had to shoot the three, and many players could, but like you said, nowadays, that was rare for seven footers like a Dirk or something like that to step outside. Nowadays, you know, you have Boban who's seven three shooting three. You know what I mean? You have all these type of guys that have that type of skill level where it was somewhat of a a weird thing and uniqueness to it. And now it's like, all right, you can shoot the three. Everybody can shoot the three. Now you have to be consistent. You know what I mean? So it's just it's just times have changed over the years, and like you said, it makes you appreciate certain things and, and situations uh, differently. One, one final thought on your, on your time in Sacramento, only because you had mentioned earlier uh, taking part in social justice issues, some of the protests that are going on, sharing some stuff. Your former team has been very active on social media. They, they're sharing a variety of, of links and messages, things to really stand behind some of these important conversations and causes. I have to imagine that leaves you feeling proud of, of them and your time there, knowing the support they're putting behind things that are also important to you. For sure. I actually got chills when I saw some of the stuff that was going on uh, from afar, you know, with the team and stuff like that. And I know that, you know, if I was – you know, still on the team, like I would definitely be a big vocal person, you know, out there, um, you know, speaking out and, and, and especially to a city that I was there for, for, for so long. So it was great to see, um, you know, the players and um, everyone influential in Sacramento and, and in that city that were there um, being able to do that uh, through these times. And like I said, I mean, I've seen – you know, the people that I still follow, you know, you just see how overwhelmed uh, positive things that they were doing, you know, for the city and trying to make change and things like that. And that was, and like I said, that was great to see. That's the, that, I mean, like I said, that's arguably, and I mean, I know that Sacramento has the best fans. And like I said, I mean, you know, if it was a one player sport or something like that, it'd be one thing, but like, you know, that's one thing that you mentioned it before, where you just wish you could have won you know, for a city and for a team, which makes the memories uh, a little bit more memorable and, and better. But like I said, I mean, it's, a, it's always love uh, out there for the fans in the city. You've been vocal on your social media. Other athletes have been sharing stuff in the last two weeks when this conversation has really turned to the importance of, of tackling head on some things that have been ignored for far too long. Why is it important to you in general to to offer thoughts on this and why is it important for more athletes to, to share their voices to these important conversations? I think it's important because like I said, we're, we're as much as we, some people don't want to admit, you know, we have so many people that look up to us and obviously some people have higher statuses. Some might have lower statuses than some, but we all have people that are looking up to us. That's why, you know, when we're out in public and stuff like that, we have to be on our P's and Q's and what we do, especially in the social media era. I mean, you know, like you said, you, if you're trying to be the, you know, like us as kids and stuff like that, and people recording you doing stuff that you're not supposed to be doing, I mean, that changes like this. You know, it's on ESPN, it's on, it's on whatever type of local news or something like that. So having a platform like that, you know, you just can't use it to where are, let me just act like I'm a good guy. Like, no, like if you have stuff and you want to say it, 
than you say it. Now, obviously, there's going to be, you know, a backlash of people that don't agree with you, but that's just life, you know? So I think if you're confident of what you believe in, and we all grew up in different type of, you know, situations and things like that, and, um, you know, it is a time, like you said, you're going into, it's going into a pandemic, into Black Lives Matter, into all, all these type of things. So it's like, these are huge type situations that are all going on at the same time like if it happened like a year ago or something it would still be huge but it'd be one topic but for all of them all to be combined all in one is tough but like i said it's a time where change needs to happen and people actually need to be educated on this type of stuff to know because like i said if you've been educated one way and it's not the right way it's understandable that you don't understand, but if people are willing to understand and get educated on this, then that's all we can ask for. Yeah, and I'm not the first person to suggest this, but the timing of the pandemic and everyone having to pause a lot of things has opened the door for people to focus more of their energy on some of these important issues. And so, yeah, it's two major things at once, but maybe the timing's never been better to try and tackle something as important as some of these social justice issues. Just a couple of more questions for you here, Jason. And you know there's more basketball ahead for you, but you have a lot of other things we talked about earlier, the foundations, the charitable efforts. If you look 10, 20 years down the road, after you're done playing basketball at a high level, what sort of impact do you still want to be having in your community? Just to be able to uh, still make a difference in, in areas where I'm from and just, like I said, just for people throughout. Um, you know, like I said, having my foundation and, and program and stuff like that helped out a lot of kids that may have went in another direction but you know with me and, and having the background that i have and actually helping them out of them reaching out to me you know i made an impact and for me it's not about posting that i made an impact on a person but if them texting me or giving me a message and dm or something like that like hey i graduated from you know stanford or, or whichever college and you had a huge impact on that i mean that, that means the world so being able to have that impact on these kids, man, if they would have went a different route, if they didn't reach out, you know, it means it means a lot. So that's, you know, something that I want to continue to keep building. Same thing with my foundation that has to deal with heart health. We're living in a time where, like I said, when we were young, we could just, I felt like we were just eating whatever we wanted to. And now health and diet is like so important, you know what I mean? Um, which it is. So that can prevent heart disease and, um, obesity, diabetes, and, and all these things that are probably implanted into kids because of the tough stuff that they're eating, all sugar and, and things like, and fatty foods and stuff like that. So uh, being able to start them at young ages and in the right path and then let them be able to choose their path rather than them saying, hey, I wasn't educated or I didn't have this person helping me out um, means more. And be sure to check the links in the comments below and we'll share information on how to find out more about the initiatives that Jason's talking about. We finish every interview with the same three questions and it's these. What's something you've done for yourself lately? What's something you've done for someone else lately? And what's something that really made you laugh? Not like an LOL emoji, but like you were legitimately laughing. And I start first with what's something you've done for yourself lately? Um, I would say I've taken this time and like I said, all things you... They, they, we all go through tough things in our life, and I feel like 
as much as, like you said, it's going to make you sad, it's going to make you feel some type of way, you always try to find the positives of why the situation happened. So, like I said, I mean, this is probably the most that I've never played basketball in a while. I would say indoors. I mean, you know, outdoors. So, like I said, like I've been going to like doing more outdoor activities like riding bikes and workouts outside at the age of 33, which I didn't think I would do, you know, on an on a outdoor court. Um, and, and like that. So I would tell people more of like take advantage of, um, you know, you know, like you say, you don't have to need to go into a gym all the time. You be able to work out at a park and hang with your family and loved ones and, and don't need to be outside in the public, you know, right now of going out or things like that. Those are the positives where you don't have to do that and actually do things that are um, productive uh, by, like you said, going to parks, running, biking, outdoor stuff, rather than just staying in the house and being a couch potato. What's something you've done for someone else recently? Uh, man, what did I do for someone else? I mean, like I said, I just feel like I've just always been and helping and, and giving the community. So like I said, I feel like during these times where it is tough with the pandemic, you know, I would just say I've been around my family more than ever. Uh, because like I said, there's uh, a little bit more trusted of being out in, in public and stuff like that. So I feel like just being more of a family guy and, uh, you know, being around loved ones and, and appreciating being with the time with them each and every day. And last but not least, what's something that really made you laugh recently? Oh, man. Uh, man, that's a good one. What made me laugh? Oh, my goodness. Um, man, usually you don't really catch me off guard. What's the <laughs> uh, maybe Maybe a show or some conversation. It's, you know, it's funny. So many athletes I've talked to during this time, they've been around their family and their grandparents. And for whatever reason, mm. grandmothers are making people – laugh with yeah. or being on live chats maybe something with your family um i would say nothing in particular or one that i could probably say sure. on, <laughs> on that um i don't know like i said i just feel like i just watched like uh like Chappelle came out with that thing having to do with that and i feel like how he blends in what's actually going on and making a difference, but then also finds ways to make you laugh. Um, I feel it's like incredible. And we all know how great of a talent he is and stuff like that, but kind of the, to, you know, a serious topic, but then trying to find parts of it funny, I think is uh, good. So like I said, I feel like that's, there hasn't been too many things that are, are that funny during these times, but sure. I felt like it was entertaining. Yeah, he, he has an amazing way to take something, like you said, very serious and find some funny moments in it while also explaining the very serious mm -hmm. and important topic. For sure. Jason Thompson, uh, awesome to talk with you. Always enjoyed watching you play and great to catch up with you and learn a little bit more about your journey. Appreciate that. And uh, I know you went to Mama, so I'm going to say go Ryder in the back. <laughs> <laughs> appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yes, Thanks. sir.